Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. What is it really going to take to heal ourselves, our communities, and our planet? I'm Alicia Silverstone, and this is The Real Heal. I'm sure we've all heard before how important it is to love ourselves. We live with ourselves. We wake up with our bodies every day. No one else does. But that can feel almost impossible in a society that has an ever-changing definition of what beauty, health, and wellness actually mean. Truth is, having a healthy relationship with our bodies is hard work. That's why I'm so grateful to have Taylor Wolfram on today's episode. Taylor is a health writer, editor, and dietitian specializing in intuitive eating. We talk about how we view our bodies, ways we can shift into a healthier connection with ourselves and the food we really need to feel nourished. So without further ado, let's get into the real heal. Hi, Taylor. I'm really happy to be talking to you today. Thank you for coming on The Real Heal. Yes. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited. There's so much to talk about, Taylor. Why don't you tell us what you do? 
Yeah, um, I think the easiest way to describe that would be to say I am a registered dietitian and I run a private practice um, based out of Chicago. It's all virtual <laughs> these days, um, but it's really great. We focus a lot on um, body image, disordered eating, recovery, and also I'm vegan and I have specialty in vegan nutrition, so we focus on that as well. That's wonderful. I can't wait to talk about all of that with you. I read that you were pre-med initially. What what made you make a switch? Definitely. Um, I think that had more to do with just realizing medicine wasn't for me more than feeling super called toward nutrition, if you will. I think because, you know, I grew up as a high achiever, kind of straight A student, the narrative in my home was, oh, you're smart, you like science, you know, you should be a doctor. So I didn't really think much beyond that. And that's where I headed when I went off to college and had taken nutrition classes and through some mentorship kind of realized that, you know, that would probably be a better fit for me. I could still work in a hospital if I wanted. It could still be very clinical focused, but it was much more lifestyle based. Um, If you're working in an outpatient setting or counseling like I do now, you get a lot more time with your patients. You get to know them more. So that just seemed like a better fit for me and kind of marrying, you know, the science and the clinical part of it with more of the human aspect. In all of your work, what would you say that you are the most concerned about? And what would you say is the biggest problem that the people that come to you are facing? So those might be two different questions. No, I know what you mean. And I I think they they definitely overlap. Um, And obviously I'm biased, right? Because I kind of see the biggest issue is (laughs) what I'm helping people with and what I specialize in. But I think really it just comes down to people feeling very disembodied, right? They're not connected with their bodies. They they think they don't know how to eat. They think they need someone to tell them exactly what to do and, and how to eat. They don't trust themselves. They're very confused by, you know, what everyone is saying, what the internet is saying, what the books are saying. And you know, is this food bad or is this food good? And that can contribute not only just to a lot of confusion but also some anxiety, some disordered eating. Um, So that's really what I specialize in is helping people really connect with their internal wisdom and really build that trust with their bodies. And yes, you know, I'm, I'm here to offer some gentle guidance and some gentle nutrition recommendations, but we do that in a way where it's really incorporated with their lived experience and their internal wisdom. It's not trumping that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your dream is that people would be free of this, be free of this confusion and this this way of not being connected to themselves. You know, I know we'll get into it, but I think there's a lot of reasons why people find themselves that way, right? The, The systems in which we live, right, that kind of power that disconnection and confusion. But yeah, I'd say I would love to see a world where, you know, we all continue to have that intuition that we're born with around food, right? When you think about babies and little ones, like they know when they're hungry, they know when they're full, they're very clear, right? When they want food, when they're done with food, you know, sometimes they're kind of picky and only want one thing. Sometimes they're really adventurous and want to explore and eat a variety and Typically, you know, when left to their natural devices, like they're, they have a pretty decent relationship with food, but it's through, you know, our culture and all of the rules and messages that we begin to kind of lose that intuition and, and lose that trust. So I, I think I would say, yeah, my dream would be that people would never become disconnected, that they would always have that with them. Yeah. It's really interesting. That made my brain want to ask you so many things. Um, the first one is with kids. I have a child that I have fed very, very healthy from conception, breastfeeding to first foods, all the way up. You know, when you said if they're left to their own devices, he does have a very intuitive sense of, oh, I feel like I might not feel so well, or I've been eating so naughty that I should eat my greens and I should make sure I have brown rice and I should have beans. He has a sense of eating good food. But truthfully, I think even children, in my experience, 
you know, if you put a four-year-old in front of blueberries and a cake and you say you can pick, some might pick the blueberries at first. Bear did for the first three years. But it was more like you can have the blueberries instead of the cake because the cake was going to be sugar and it was going to be dairy. And he was young enough that I could do that. Once I gave him the choice, right, I feel like they start to make, it's not that you can't have cake. I'm not saying that. But I just mean, if I were to leave my kid or my dogs to make their own decisions about food on the daily, <laughs> I do think that they're going to pick the shiny, sparkly stuff. You know, like my dog's not going to, let's not talk about dogs, sorry. But uh, but my kid <laughs> is going to, he'll eat, he loves the good, healthy food and he eats loads of it and he's happy to have it and he knows it nourishes and makes him feel good. And he understands and recognizes the difference between when he's feeling good from food and not. But if I said you could order out from your favorite vegan restaurant every single day and get like, you know, vegan, all the fun, naughty stuff, he would. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm curious about that kind of, I wonder if we just all always have to have some kind of boundary with ourselves about actually that's not a good idea to eat out every single day this naughty this fun delicious naughty food it's not going to it's not going to fuel me so in terms of when you're talking about natural intuition i'm just curious about it because if all the worst foods in the world made my body feel good and look good and didn't cause harm i would probably want to eat them right but i have a knowing that they don't make me feel good they're not good for the earth and they're bad for animals and that they're going to make me feel terrible so i can make better choices more often. Help me understand that intuition part of it. Yeah. And thank you for those questions because those are really, really common questions that people have when they first hear of, of intuitive eating. And I'm wondering if we should actually define what that is first before we dive into it. Do you think that would be helpful? Sure. Yeah. And I think it's important because this is kind of a phrase, a a term that has gained popularity and is kind of used a lot. Um, And some people don't realize this is a specific thing. Um, So it's it's a science-based framework that was developed by two registered dietitians all the way back in 1995. So it's been around for a while. Um, There's multiple editions of the book by this point, but because it's been around for so long, it's been well-studied. I think it's over 150 research papers now on intuitive eating, which is really great because we have solid evidence to kind of point toward the mental and physical health benefits of it, not just say, you know, making promises of this is what you'll experience. Um, and there's 10 principles to it. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a framework that has specific strategies and, and principles to it. You know, if anyone wants to learn more about that, they can go to intuitiveeating.org, look at resources, learn about the creators, you know, buy the book, et, et cetera. This isn't something that, you know, I made up or this isn't just my spin on it. Um, but the whole idea is that giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat food across the board, right? And really building that trust with with our bodies. And the succinct way that the creators describe it, they say it's a dynamic interplay of instinct, emotion, and thought. And so a lot of people will think, oh, it's just instinct. It just means eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's not necessarily true because that's kind of leaving out the emotion part and the thought part. So like you said, I know when I eat X food this frequently, I tend to not feel very good. So I'm not going to do that, right? That's still intuitive eating because that's using, you know, your experience and your thought and your logic rather than saying this food is bad for me and I'm a bad person if I eat it, right? (laughs) That's a bit of a different narrative. Um, And so much goes into it, right? Even using words like naughty to describe foods can even put them on a certain pedestal, right? That we kind of look at foods in a certain way um, or, you know, when we tend to think of foods a certain way or tell ourselves we can't have them, we tend to have more of a drive for them. Or when we do get them, the experience we have may be way more intense than if they were just kind of everyday foods that were very normalized, you know, you have them when you want, you can pass it up when you don't want it, that sort of thing. That's very interesting. I I feel like as a parent and as a human who's been doing, you know, deep nutrition work for myself for maybe 25 years or something, 
that these are interesting concepts, but in play, the thing that has worked most for me is choosing nourishing, balancing, healing foods. And I don't mind giving those words, putting them on a pedestal, because they are. Like, chocolate cake is delicious, but it doesn't do the same thing that brown rice does to my body. And greens. Greens are nourishing. They heal your organs. They do deserve to be, in my opinion, be called superfoods or superhero foods because they create the most healing, nourishing results. And so what I have found is when I eat that way, I don't crave the other stuff because my body's in balance and it's getting everything it needs. And that when my body is out of balance or there's an emotional eruption or there's, you know, you're stressed or whatever those things are that come up in life, that that's when you have to come in with the big brain and either, you know, make the the decision that's going to make you feel better or go with the feeling and let yourself have a party for a second and get over it and get back on track. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world, and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, as a woman or as a person, as a human, I feel like we all struggle. And I would even want to ask you, perhaps you had a moment in your life that you were struggling with this exact issue and this may be why you're so interested in it, perhaps. So I will ask you about that. But I wanted to express that I just think it's really hard for every human to love our body. And in general, I love my body. I'm grateful for my body. I know that I'm that my body is pretty cute and 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 I sometimes can prance around naked and feel like oh yeah this is do- this is okay this is all right and then other times you see yourself and you go you're putting on a pair of jeans and and oh my tummy if only my tummy was tinier oh if my arms could be tinier why are my hips like this but I don't lose sleep over it I don't not walk out the door because of it my relationship to my body is good enough that I understand, okay, you're just having these silly thoughts. Ultimately, your body's just fine. Let's not worry about this. Did you struggle with this yourself like every person I've ever spoken to in my life? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think growing up, you know, as someone who's female, identifies as female (laughs) in America, it's extremely lucky if you never have any body image issues, right? Because we are just swimming in these waters of, you know, being told that our bodies are never good enough. And like you said earlier, even supermodels have issues, right? There's this never good enough kind of feeling, um, you know, no matter how much you diet or how much surgery you get, or, you know, how much you manipulate your appearance in whatever way, we're always nitpicking ourselves. Um, and every day still, I mean, I think that's something too, that people, come to realize and a lot of my clients have is this work is never ending because we're we're still living in this culture with these ideals, right? And we're getting these messages all the time from all over the place. So we're constantly having to do this work and be resilient and kind of deal with any triggers and thoughts that come up. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that the the roots of of like diet culture and and things like that don't just affect people in those marginalized body right they they inform the the systems that we now live in and that impacts everyone right so i i think that's important to to recognize too is that you know everyone can kind of struggle with body image right everyone can struggle with diet culture no matter your size your gender identity but it's different for people who actually live in marginalized bodies, even to this day, right? It's very different to live in a in a body, you know, 
that is much larger because you get treated different than if you were to live in a body like yours or like mine. Well, I know firsthand because when I was younger, and I know I don't have that body, but when I was younger and thinner than I am now, I was called fat girl. I was chased by uh, paparazzi screaming fat girl. Every newspaper was calling me fat girl. And I was not a fat girl. <laughs> and I, But I wasn't as... Uh, thin, I suppose, as I was supposed to be from what I was a part of. And I remember at the time it being, I had a very strong sense of self about it to know that this is wrong. I knew that. I knew this is really, really wrong. But in general, I have to say, and I don't want any sympathy about this. I'm not telling this story because I feel bad for myself or that I think that I've been through something. Please, none of that. But what I'm telling the story for is to say, I at first had this repulsion to the concept of health. So if you were to say to me, you know, oh, you might want to think about being healthy. All I heard is you're calling me fat and you're addressing, I had no interest. And it wasn't until my love for animals led me to make this choice to be vegan. And then suddenly all this weight came melting off of me naturally. And I just... I thank the animals for the good karma because they taught, I don't know if I could have done it for myself is what I'm getting at. I didn't have the self-worth at that time. I certainly do now, but I did not have it when I was younger to think I want to be a healthy, happy person. I just knew, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) You know, I'm 19. Don't tell me what to do. Do not call me fat. And this is awful. And now I, of course, felt really fat. And so even now, you know, if I gain a little weight, I feel different. I don't mean intellectually. I don't mean, oh, judgment, judging myself. I mean, my actual body doesn't want to have extra inflammation on it. It doesn't want to have, you know, that's the beauty of having gone down this path. I went vegan, my whole body changed, my health changed. I ditched my asthma inhaler. I stopped taking allergy shots. I never had to go to the doctor for antibiotics ever again, like until I got attacked by some dogs and then I had to get, you know, my leg sewn up and then I took antibiotics. But the point being that my body healed itself and I found a way of really being able to trust it, listen to it, all those things that you're talking about, that intuition. And I think that what's a shame is that until you have actually experienced the feeling of what it is to feel good, like really, truly clean, healthy, good food in your body, You just have no idea. So my 19-year-old self had no idea what health felt like and how I would become addicted to the feeling of wanting to feel good or at least have a knowing sense of what I always want to get back to. So I think for me, it was about, and I don't think this is necessarily the healthy road in, I'm assuming you get people to find love in themselves through therapy and help and all these wonderful things that you'll tell us about. But for me, the animals got me in. It was because of them that I was able to feel the benefits without having to try and the focus wasn't on me. And through there, I found the journey of loving myself and respecting myself because it felt so good. And once you feel that high of having it all clean and healthy, it's like, you know, when you're walking around lighter and having spontaneous fits of joy just because of the food that you eat because your body feels so good that you're like, I'm so happy right now. What is wrong with me? And um, I think that that is really beautiful. And so all I can say is that it's this, if I could bottle the feeling that I get when I'm eating my best and share it with everyone, I just want to give it to everybody as a potion. Because when you feel good, you know, you're going to be happy about that. And I just, I know that food is so connected to how you feel. And So that is my little dream, is that everyone could have this potion of what it feels like after a good, you know, for me, this is like when I'm just really on point. And that doesn't mean not enjoying things. I'm enjoying everything. Like I'm making all kinds of insanely ridiculous sounds as I'm eating my, you know, amazing stir fry last night. And so it can be something really healthy and delicious. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that enjoyment because I think a lot of people think that too, right? If I'm going to eat healthy, that means all the fun is sucked out of it, right? Or I'm not going to enjoy it or I'm going to hate it. And that just doesn't have to be the case whatsoever. You can be nourished and be joyful, you know, with food at the same time. And for some people, it takes a lot of work 
to get there. Of course, you know, coming from my experience working with people with actual eating disorders is a little bit different, um, but it is really powerful when people get there with yeah. food. Last night I took a bath and I thought, because I knew I was talking to you, I thought, I'm going to practice right now being a little bit more loving in my bath because a bath by in itself is loving. Yay, I got in the bath. But now I'm going to scrub my body. That's a huge act accomplishment because that doesn't happen very often. So now I'm scrubbing it. And then I realize I'm scrubbing it really fast. Why don't I scrub it with love? Why don't I scrub it like, you know, practice scrubbing it like it's my baby and I want to take care of my baby. And that was really fun to do that because I did notice everything I'm doing, like washing my face is in such a hurry without, like, let's be sen- sort of not sensual about it, but enjoy the process and be loving and say loving things. But anyway, for me, going inside my heart and letting my heart guide all of my decisions rather than my brain, that was a huge shift for me in intuition and self-love and getting out of your mind about it and really just feeling the space that it creates. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So these are the things that I do that I feel like are my self-love and definitely my food, being very mindful that I want to feel my best, so I'm going to pick the foods that feel the best. And then I'm also going to go out and do fun things and have balance. What are the things with the people that you are, because you're dealing with people who have very real issues about all of this, what is it, what's the process you take them through? How do you help them? Yeah. So really kind of the concepts we work on is connection, right? Connecting with your body in a safe way. Grounding, right? If you notice that your nervous system is feeling dysregulated, whether you're really overactivated and kind of anxious, or maybe you're really like low and almost dissociated, getting your nervous system into more of a functional place is is really helpful and important for people. And then, you know, we just kind of start working on it and we go really slow. Um, for some people, like I said, just acknowledgement is is challenging enough. Like the whole I love my body is going to be light years away, if at all. And I think that's something important too to recognize is you don't have to love your your body, right? To respect it, to take care of it, because that can feel really intimidating for people. Like, I'm so far from loving my body. How could I ever love this body? You know, if they're really in this place of self-loathing and they think that self-love is a prerequisite for some basic self-care, that can be really tough. Um, so this just basic idea of body respect, body neutrality can be a more um, accessible place for a lot of people to start with. That's really interesting. I'm glad you just said that because I know I'm not on that spectrum, but I am a human who has these feelings. So I was, and you just validated my experience this morning, which was I took a look at my body as I was getting ready and I went, remember, you have to love your body. (laughs) And I was going, oh, but what, why is it like this? And why is that like that? And gosh, I got to work on this. And then I had the conversation with myself and said, we're doing everything that we can to take care of you. <laughs> like, so yeah. I, I think it was respectful, but I didn't end up with love. I ended up with respect. And I think that that is really important. And I didn't even know that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. You did exactly that, right? And it's not settling, right? It's not taking the easy road. It's just being realistic. And it's honestly the best you can do for yourself in that moment. Because if self-love isn't going to happen, it's not going to happen no matter how much you tell yourself it's supposed to happen or it has to happen, right? That that comes through work. And so in that moment, you know, something that I teach my clients is, you know, checking in, see how you're doing, and just ask yourself, what do I need? How can I take care of myself in this moment? 
and not even think about love or how I look or anything like that. Just what do I need? Sometimes it's really basic. Sometimes it's deep breaths, a glass of water, a snack. Sometimes it's, I'm really overwhelmed, right? I need to ask for help in a certain way, or I need to get support or use a certain coping strategy, whatever it is. Yeah. It's, it's, I love that checking in and asking yourself what you need. That's so powerful. And it sounds so simple, but it's really when you practice it and remember to practice it, it's very, very powerful. And I also think that it's interesting that that conversation with yourself that I know that even if you're not living in a body that's bigger, if you're living in a body that's whatever your body is, wherever you are, that you could still be having this thought of, God, I want to be here. Is it okay that I want to be here? Because is that self-love to want to be here and not that and not where I am right now? Okay. I have respect for where I am right now. I have a ton of respect for where I am right now. And I get that it's beautiful exactly as it is. And I would also, I know what it's like to have it be in the other place too. And I like that. So I'm going to move in that direction gently and kindly and uh, do what, and be proactive about it. But yeah, it's sort of a um, realistic, you just gave me a lot of permission to, to be okay with the idea that it's not, it's not, you don't have to, Self-love and self and body love doesn't mean that you have to say, I love it exactly as it is for reals. It's just, I respect you and I love you and I can still dream for you how I want it to be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is probably a whole different conversation, but sometimes it can be helpful to, to check ourselves in terms of what those dreams are, right? Is it dreaming like, oh, I... I want to feel more energized, right? Or I want to feel more whatever it is. Or is it, I want to look a certain way because that's how I believe I have to look based on how other people treat me. And that's where we can get into trouble and where a lot of my clients struggle, right? With eating disorder issues and a lot of that body image stuff, which again, it's the world that we live in. It's the air we breathe. You know, it's so, so hard. We can't we don't live in a vacuum. We can't ignore these external factors or for people who actually do live in marginalized bodies, like it's difficult to do certain things or uncomfortable to do certain things in their body. And so they're like, oh, I have, I really have to change my body. Right. And that's really, really hard um, to feel like the world isn't made for you or it's not accommodating you or just stepping outside your front door. You have to be prepared <laughs> to just be harmed by the world and its people. And, and that's really challenging. Um, it makes this work, you know, even more difficult. So what are the success stories that you've had where you've got, because I know that veganism is really important to you personally, and obviously you must believe that it's really healthy. How, do you have amazing success stories that you can share with me of someone that's come into your world and you've transformed them? And do you have any of those? Oh gosh, you know, I won't say I transform people. I say, you know, they're doing it themselves. I'm I'm a part of their support system. Um, but yeah, it's really cool, especially people that I'll work with long-term, like for years, um, just to see how they progress in their, not only, you know, their behaviors of what they're actually doing, but their relationship with food, right? Maybe they came from a place where they were stuck in this, yo-yo cycle between restricting and binging all the time. They felt terrible physically. They felt terrible about themselves, you know, horrible body image to come to a place of more easeful kind of balance with food. They're nourishing themselves regularly. They're not restricting certain foods. You know, they're having the, let's say, chocolate cake when they want it, but it's not a big deal, you know, that sort of thing. And they're just not obsessed about food anymore. And they're learning to be more connected with their body. They're learning to trust that more, right? To really be able to trust that their body will tell them when, what, and how much to eat and when, what, and how much to move their bodies, right? And really just learning to rely on those internal messages. And for me, that's the most beautiful thing is not only the recovery, right, from actual like harmful behaviors, but that internal wisdom and trust that people have, because that's a resource that no one can take away from you that will serve you, you know, moving forward forever. We've talked a lot about self-love and healing ourselves and all that that is and the challenges of that. But one of the things you talked about also was that 
no matter where we are, sometimes walking out into the world, society and our culture and the things that we're fed in the world can be not helpful and not help us in our process of loving ourselves. So I guess my question to you is, what can we as a society do? What are all the things that we can do to help someone who might be on the journey of trying to find self-love or might be on the journey of finding love for their bodies? And how can we help facilitate that rather than be one more block in that journey? In terms of what we can do as individuals, I think is just be aware of how we talk about bodies and our conversations you know, not only with ourselves, of course, but with our family, with our friends, with other people, right? In terms of the assumptions we're making or the hierarchy of bodies we might be talking about or or making assumptions that certain bodies are good or healthy and others aren't. I think just checking ourselves and, and how we talk about bodies, how we talk about food and and dieting. I mean, gosh, there's there's so much that um can trigger folks out there. So I think a lot of it is almost more of what not to do, <laughs> right? How not to talk unkind about bodies um, and just giving people that space, right? To, to live their lives and do their thing. And a lot of these issues do stem in systemic, you know, um, areas in terms of folks having resources to certain things. But I think on an individual level, we can just speak a lot more kindly about bodies or, you know, not at all, right? Maybe it's not always necessary to even make comments about bodies. And what would you say is the one thing, if you could give somebody one thing to take a new step for themselves in this journey? Like I'm not, I don't presume they don't have self-love or I don't have the body I want. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I can't get where I want to go. What's the thing that they can do? What's the first thing that they can do? Yeah, you know, I think getting comfortable with checking in with yourself is really powerful and really should be the foundation for this work of just, you know, how am I in this moment? How am I today? How am I feeling physically? How am I feeling mentally? And that's going to help set them up to get more familiar with their, not only their body's cues, right? But then getting more familiar with what their needs are so that they can be more prepared to go out and meet those needs and practice keeping the focus there, right? Rather than how I look or what the size of my pants are, or how much I weigh. What if they do? What if they just do care about the size of their pants and the way that they look and they don't like it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's common for so many of us, right? And that's where we we really practice redirecting. Right. We kind of acknowledge that voice and like, okay, I hear you. And I'm going to redirect my energy and focus back to how am I and what do I need right now? Because so much of the worry and the stress and the anxiety about how our body looks or how big it is, that in of itself is not good for us, right? That in of itself can be harmful to both physical and mental health. The one thing I, I think I'll just wrap it up by saying is that I know that we don't love the word diet, but it's so sad that it got a bad name because the real word diet does not mean to restrict. It means a way of life, a journey. And that's why I call my book The Kind Diet was because it was to have a new path, a, a journey to the best, most healthy version of yourself that you feel good, where you make choices that are good for you, whatever that is, and, and, and trusting your intuition and being kind to yourself. And that diet, I would love if we could reclaim the word diet, but it, it's a beautiful thing, what it was intended to mean. Yeah, right. It's no longer this neutral description of what you eat, right? But it has more of that kind of fad, restrictive diet connotation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've given me so much to think about. And I, I think this is going to resonate with so many of our listeners. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Taylor. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been my pleasure. To dig deeper into this episode's topic and resources, visit thekindlife.com. 
The Real Heal is an iHeartRadio production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Alicia Silverstone. From iHeartRadio, our managing producer is Lindsay Hoffman. From Frequency Media, Michelle Corey is our executive producer. Jordan Rizieri is our producer. And Imani Leonard and Laura Boyman are our associate producers. Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor. And Claire Bidegary Curtis is our mixer and sound designer. This podcast is available on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.